And thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnet, Illinois. This is the sermon for August 11th, 2019, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. The sermon is entitled, What's Old is New, God's Love, and is based on the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copen. And peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from that Old Testament reading as well as some other chapters in Hosea. Let us pray. O God, you have sought us out and you have claimed us as your own. Thank you for your love and your gifts in our lives. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth May the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. It was back in 2018, uh, PBS had an eight-part series titled The Great American Read. It explored America's 100 best-loved novels. And they said that one theme emerges often in these 100 novels, and that is the quest for love. Uh, especially romantic love that, that's going to endure. And here's some quotes from the experts com- commenting on the series and the novels. And they wrote, according to these novels, love is the driving force behind everything we do. So I think reading about all these different types of love and the ways in which they present is one of the great human questions. Another one said, I love a good love story. I think everybody wants it. If you, if you don't want it, you're trying to get it. If you have it, you're trying to keep it. <laughs> Another said, Every book on this list is about love and death, a finding a love that transcends death. I mean, who's not going to love a love story? And others said, we want to see things that last. We want to know that you just can't throw love away. As human beings, as readers, we want something to be that important that you would stick with it forever. Love. It was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, what, uh, all the world loves a lover. And, and had Robinson, a preacher, said that if that's true, then the best love book in the Bible should be the prophecy of the prophet Hosea. And I'm indebted to him for some of the thoughts here in the message today. In many ways, the, the story of Hosea is not really that different from the story of millions of other people that take place all around the world. I mean, from Kankakee to Chicago to New York to Hong Kong. It's a story. A story of a broken vow, a broken home broken heart, broken life. Now, we in the church have often ignored the story of Hosea. We really don't cover the adulterous uh, uh, woman married to the prophet in our Sunday school lessons. Uh, We don't preach about it that often. But God has brought this uh, story of this broken-hearted prophet uh, to reveal his love and demonstrate his grace. And so, the love story begins. You see, the, the, the setting for the Hosea takes place in the city of Samaria, capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea, a young preacher, is commanded and led by God to, to marry a young woman uh, by the name of Gomer. Now, Gomer lived a life of excess in her culture, noted as a promiscuous woman in our text. Hosea lived in contrast to that. Now, he served the living God, <laughs> She did not. He lived that life of purity to God. She did not. 
I mean, he knew that she did not bring that purity to their wedding night, yet God commanded him to marry her. And so he must have thought, well, God was going to bring them together. And because of that, their future would be filled with happiness and delight. And he was wrong. As a prophet, Hosea was called by God to proclaim God's word of warning. We heard a little bit of that in our reading uh, to the people of Israel. He knew the nation of Israel was going to fall victim to the war machine of, the, of Assyria unless it turned around, unless it repented of its sin. But uh, after the marriage, there were problems at home. Uh, and with Gomer, perhaps maybe it was the lure of her former life. Maybe she felt a little restricted being married to the prophet. Maybe it was the time he spent away from home. Uh, you see, Gomer did not have this passion uh, that her righteous religious husband had. And, and as you read that story in between the lines, you see sort of bit by bit she begins to drift back into her former life. I'm sure there were probably some nights Hosea lay awake waiting for her to return home. I'm sure he prayed. I'm sure he took that burden to the Lord. And one day it seemed like God answered that prayer. There, Gomer gave birth to a baby, and, and, and it seemed that joy now filled their lives, that joy filled their marriage once again. In chapter 1, verse 4, Hosea calls the name of the child Jezreel. Now, Jezreel was the name of a city that played a, a part, tragic part, in Israel's history. It was Jezreel that the apostasy under King Ahab and Queen Jezebel came to its frightening conclusion. It's in Jezreel where uh, Jezebel was hurled from the, the window of her palace and her body eaten by dogs. So think about that. Hosea called out for his son, uh, calling his name. He was sort of making his boy and his marriage, uh, his very family, an object lesson to Israel an object lesson of God's relationship to his people. It'd be like a Jew today naming their child Auschwitz, right? After the horror camps there. That name would bring back those dark memories for them. And so when Hosea called out for his son, maybe it was out of the playground or maybe in the marketplace, that name, Jezreel, would remind people of a time when God really dealt with the nation's sins. They had a second child, a little girl. They called her, according to verse 6 of chapter 1, Loruhama, which means not loved or not pitied. A third child, a second boy. They called him, according to verse 9, Loami, which uh, means uh, no kin of mine or not my people. Then the love story begins to unravel a little bit. As I said before, Hosea's life, Hosea's family, sort of like an object lesson of Israel's relationship with God. And so they're giving us a sketch of the nation of Israel at this moment. Jezreel, their sin is going to be dealt with. Loruhamah, they're, they're not pitied by God anymore. Loami, in the sin, they're not God's people anymore. But I guess maybe there's another haunting question here. Loami... Not my people, no kin of mine. Does it mean that these children are not even Hosea's? I mean, if that were not enough, one day a Gomer leaves him and, and she's maybe tired of being tied down and wanting to have her freedom once again, so she goes back to that culture, she'll go back to her way of life. 
So Hosea needs to be both father and mother to the children. And, and as if that were not enough, I'm sure Hosea had to endure the gossip, gossip that shot around the community. Hey, did you hear? The prophet's wife left him. <laughs> Maybe some would say, oh, it serves him right. I mean, he's so busy telling everybody else what to do that, that he couldn't even hold his own home together. It's pretty easy, isn't it? To identify where others sin and stumble, look what they did. But in these moments, we truly need to look in the mirror in our own hearts, in our own lives, and see how far we have fallen, just like Gomer. The love story goes on because even with all of that going on, Hosea loved Gomer, and he still cared for her. Gomer, on the other hand, was led away by the the whispers of of that lifestyle. Maybe it was exotic food and and clothes and a dynamic lifestyle. But as it so often happens with people who take that path in life, maybe it first leads up to the top, but then it sort of spirals and and runs to the bottom. And that's what happened in, in Gomer's life. She passed from one man to another until she fell into the hands of a man who, who could not even prov- provide for ne- basic necessities of life. But even in that moment, Hosea's love for her was great because unknown to her, he even helped provide for her needs there. Now, I, I know, I know I thought about it at this point in the story. You're like, Pastor, <laughs> that just doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't seem to make any sense for a man to pay good silver, good gold, and help a woman who's betrayed him. But that's what we read in Hosea chapter 2. Hosea says, Their mother has been unfaithful. She has conceived these children in disgrace. And she said, I'm going to go after my lovers. My lovers who gave me my food, my water, my wool, my linen, my oil, my drink. And in verse 8, Hosea laments, But she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain. I was the one who gave her the new oil, the new wine and oil. And I was the one who lavished on her the silver and the gold, which they then prepared for Baal. It's a, it's a scene that breaks your heart. Maybe Hosea watched at a distance as she got excited about all the good things that his money buy. And she, watched, she watches as she throws her arms around another man and thanks him for the things that true love provided. It may, maybe you're tempted to sit back and judge Gomer. If so, I need to remind you that that's the way you and I have acted all of our lives. Because it's from the hand of God, as sort of in the children's message today, it's from the hand of God that we receive life's blessings, food for our table, a clothes for our body, a warm place to live, and yet how easily we thank everyone and everything except the God who provided that. We can thank our government for its supply. We can thank our family, our friends, even the strength of our own right hand. We can thank everyone and everything except the God from whom all blessings flow. Pastor Copeland, does, does God really love like that? Does God really love me like that? My friends, everything in God's word Everything in the world testifies that God loves you and me exactly like that. Because we've wanted desperately to have our own way. We, we've flung away from God in a fit of rebellion and we've run away from him when we think that he's finally gone, that he's out of our lives and we don't have any use for him anymore. Then there's that tap on the shoulder. 
we find that he's there. He says, I love you. And I want you to know that after you're through running around, (laughs) I'm going to be here to take you back. Does God really love me like that? Yes. Yes, he does. What's old is new again, because the story of God's love in Hosea really reaches its pinnacle in the Gospel of John, where Jesus himself tells us, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Nails are fashioned. A cross is made. God arrives in the flesh. He's crucified. He dies on that cross for you and me uh, so that we might have the forgiveness of our sins, so that we might have eternal life, so that we might have heaven and eternity forever because this is our God. There's no one like him. Even though Hosea is generous, she still doesn't change. So he decides to make to take his hands off of her for a time. In verse 14 of chapter 2, Therefore I'm going to allure her, I'll lead her into the desert. And there in the desert, I'll speak tenderly to her. There in that desert, I will give back the vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, in the days that she came up out of Egypt. That, that word Achor simply means the valley of trouble. And in that place, Hosea is going to open a door of hope for her. Remember, this is a flesh and blood object lesson of Israel and God as well playing out before them. And, and what God had done with the nation of Israel, God sometimes does with us. Sometimes when we persist in our running, when we persist in our going astray, it's almost as if God says, okay, see where that, see where that takes you. Suffer the consequences of those sins. We stumble, we go into that valley of Achor, that valley of trouble, a place of broken dreams and and broken hearts and broken lives. And and it's in that dreadful place that God opens up a door, a door of salvation, a door of hope. At any rate, that's what happened in the life of Gomer because when you turn to chapter 3, you discover she had sunk lower and lower until she fell into the hands of someone that really didn't care for her at all. And he would decide to sell her into slavery. While it's something certainly that angers us today, in the ancient world, slavery was an established institution. Hardly a city that did not have at some time during the year, or many times during the year, a place where men and women are bought and sold. Uh, some of the historians say that uh, of the auctions, when a woman was auctioned, she was uh, stripped of her clothing, forced to stand naked before the gaze of the crowd, and it was evidently to such a place that Gomer was taken in a place where Hosea was called to go. You can almost imagine the scene, can't you? Gomer is led up to the auction block and maybe out on the fringe of the crowd. Uh, Hosea is there and and people see him and then the gossip begins again. Uh, Well, (laughs) he's come to see her get what she deserves. And a bidding war erupts and then Hosea himself chimes in with a bid. And after a bit, the gavel sounds, and Hosea pushes forward to buy his wife. And, but he doesn't buy her to punish her. He buys her to redeem her. 
And so he says in 3 verse 2, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver, about a homer and a homer and a half of barley, and I told her you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man, and so I will live with you. Pastor Cope, come on. (laughs) Really? Could anyone really do that? I mean, how can someone go before a crowd like that, someone that a crowd that knew him, and buy his wife back who betrayed him and nurse her back to purity? Come on. Can anyone, how can anyone do that? Well, the answer is found in verse 1 of chapter 3, where God says, Hosea, go show your life, love to your wife again. She's loved by another, she's an adulteress, but love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, for they, they turn to other gods. They love the sacred raisin cakes, which were offered on idols' altars. You see, the reason that Hosea was able to love Gomer as he did was that the love of God worked in his heart. Hosea was loving her in the same way that God has lived and loved you and me all of our lives. God's love story never changes. You know, from this prophecy of Hosea, there are some lessons that we can take away today. First of all, is for those that those of you that God's called to faith. You're followers of Jesus. And that lesson is from verse 1. The Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife. Though she is loved by another, she's an adulteress, but love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. And you get it again in verse 3. You are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute intimate with any other. And so I will also live with you. Because that's what God says to you and me. He says, look, I've redeemed you. I love you. I've marked you as my own. I brought you to myself. Now I want you to live with me and for me in faithfulness. That's one lesson that comes from the story that that God does not love you because of what you do. God loves you in spite of what you do. God does not love you because of, of what you are. He loves you in spite of what you are. And he changes us through those things. That's a hard lesson for us to learn because so many of us grow up with that bookkeeping mentality, right? I'm going to do certain things. God's going to do certain things for me. And in a way, he sort of rewards me or he owes me. That's heresy. That's not the gospel. That's not the truth of God. So when you understand just how much God loves you, when you understand the depth and strength of his love for you, then we respond. Respond to him with love, with praise, with sacrifice and service. That's one implication from the prophecy that God's love story never changes. But God's love story also never gives up. That's maybe the second lesson uh, directed for some here today. Maybe uh, you're sitting here and you're not sure about Jesus. Maybe you have trouble trusting in God. Frankly, you might feel deserted from God. Maybe you're crying from the depths of your heart, where is God? I don't know him. But the answer from the book of Hosea is, God isn't lost. You are. And even though you're lost, you're not alone. See, God has pursued you and God has chased you down. He has traveled up a hill called Calvary and gone into in and out of an empty tomb down the pathways of life to this place today. 
And so he pursues you because he wants so much to make you his own. Clovis Chapel was a noted preacher of the last century, and he, and he told a story, an interesting story, of a young man who lived uh, up in Chicago, in downtown Chicago. Uh, and he went down to the bluegrass region of Kentucky, and he met and he won the heart of a young woman uh, and ultimately brought her back to Chicago as his wife. As this businessman, he, uh, he and his wife enjoyed three lovely years of marriage. Then one day, in the midst of a seizure and sickness, she, uh, she simply lost her mind. Uh, at best, she was uh, uh, a little off. <laughs> and at worst, she would scream, and the neighbors would complain because the, the, the screams sort of cut through the air. It was hard to live around. And so this young businessman uh, left his home in the middle of Chicago and went out to the one of the western suburbs and built a house and determined he would try to nurse his wife back to health and sanity again. One day, the, one of the family physicians uh, suggested maybe familiar surroundings would help. So maybe take her, take her back to her hometown in Kentucky and, and maybe something in those surroundings would be familiar to her and restore that sanity. And, and so in a, a desperate attempt, that's what they did went back to the old homestead, and they walked through the old house where the memories were hanging on every corner, went out to the garden and walked down by the riverside where the violets were in bloom, and after several days, though, nothing seemed to happen. And so a little defeated, a little discouraged, this young man put his wife back in the car, and they headed back to Chicago. And when they were getting close to the house, he looked over, and he saw that she was sleeping. And... It was the first restful sleep that she'd had in many weeks. And so when they got to the house, he lifted her up out of the car, took her inside, placed her on the bed, and realized she wanted to sleep some more, and so covered her up and and sat by her side and watched her through the midnight hour, watched her until the first rays of the sun began to touch her face. Then this young woman woke up, and she saw her husband seated beside her, and she, she said, it feels like I've been on a long journey. Where have you been? And he replied, maybe speaking out of those days and and weeks and months of waiting and watching, he says, sweetheart, I've been right here with you all this time. If you're asking, where is God? The answer is very much the same. He's right here. He's right here speaking to you again. He's right here reaching out to you with his word. He's right here assuring you that you've been forgiven and cleansed. He's right here reassuring you of his promises in the waters of baptism. He's right here as we gather around his table uh, when we have communion. He's right here wanting you to recognize his love for you. He's right here wanting you to see his hand at work in your life. He's right here wanting you to rejoice and praise him for that unending love. He's right here, wanting you to discover what it means to be loved by God according to the love that he demonstrated to the prophet Hosea. See, this is God's great love story for you and me. What's old is new, and God's love is forever new through Jesus Christ. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the Sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening, and God's blessings.